Ezekiel chapter 28. I'll be reading verses 1 through 19. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, Thus says the Lord God, because your heart is proud. And you have said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of the gods, in the heart of the seas. Yet you are but a man, and no God. Though you make your heart like the heart of a God. You are indeed wiser than Daniel. No secret is hidden from you. By your wisdom and your understanding, you have made wealth for yourself and have gathered gold and silver into your treasuries. By your great wisdom in your trade, you have increased your wealth, and your heart has become proud in your wealth. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you make your heart like the heart of a God, therefore, behold, I will bring foreigners in upon you, the most ruthless of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. They shall thrust you down into the pit, and you shall die the death of the slain in the heart of the seas. Will you still say, I am a God in the presence of those who kill you, though you are but a man and no God in the hands of those who slay you? You shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of the foreigners, for I have spoken, declares the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You, are the, you were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, sardius, topaz and diamond, beryl, onyx, onyx and jasper, sapphire, emerald and carbuncle, and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed garden, guardian cherub. I placed you, I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God, in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. By the multitude of your iniquities and the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. So I brought fire from, the, from your midst. It consumed you, and I turned you to ashes on the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have come to a dreadful end and shall be no more forever. Heavenly Father, bless to our understanding the reading and the exposition of your infallible inerrant word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
and the title of the sermon is The Pride of the Prince of Tyre. If you were here last Sunday morning, Sunday evening, you know that Tyre is a, uh, a city-state in southern, what is now modern southern Lebanon. At um, one time, it was two cities, one on the land and a half a mile out. Uh, in the ocean was the island nation where, which made them a, a, a mighty a trade power, military power in the Mediterranean uh, at, at the time uh, Ezekiel gives his prophecy. Uh, Ezekiel has been going around the clock as it were to the surrounding nations from Jerusalem showing how they participated in an ungodly way in the overthrow of Jerusalem and rejoiced at it. And Tyre's presenting sin was that Tyre exalted over their former friendly uh, nation of uh, Judah. And as a result, God's attention turned to dealing with Tyre. Um, the first, uh, in uh, chapters 26 and 27, he deals with the nation itself. And here in Verse, uh, chapter 28, he deals with the prince of Tyre. Uh, he's also referred to as the king of Tyre. I am of the mind that these are the same person. Some scholars say they're two separate entities. I believe they are the same person by the way they are personified. Nonetheless, um, the application for our lives is the same. And that first application is in what we see about the pride of the prince of time. Pride is the root sin of all sin. I said last Sunday night that it is the primordial sin. It began in heaven when Satan is sought to usurp the throne of God. Now there's no direct evidence in the Bible of this, but I believe that at the same moment that he was cast out of heaven with his demonic uh, angels that followed him in that proudful, willful rebellion against God, he was cast to earth. And at that time, uh, tempted the crown of God's creation, Adam and Eve. And how did he tempt them with the exact same sin? That you will be like gods in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And simultaneously, at the same time, Adam and Eve bit on the bait and plunge themselves and all their posterity at that exact moment into condemnation. That is an outline of, of um, in short, of the source of evil and why we are the way we are by virtue of being sons and daughters of Adam. It is the primeval sin of Satan. 
and it is the temptation that he runs over and over. I had, I had a brief, very brief career as a football coach in my years between college and, and during sem even during seminary. And one of the simple things that I learned about that that worked at a very low level was if you have a successful play, you should try it again. <laughs> and if it's successful again, you should try it again and again and again. And this is exactly the methodology of, of Satan. It worked on him, it worked on our first parents, and it works on all of us continually. There are many who take this along with 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 and the description of the Antichrist there as a, as a um, uh, anticipation of Antichrist or even a, a direct um, Analogy, I, I, I think that that's probably true. First John tells us there are many antichrists in the world. And the same root principle about antichrist is always the same. Someone taking the seat of God for themselves. Again, the root temptation is, in the day that you eat of this, you will be as God's. The description of the Prince of Tyre. Can there ever be a more proud heart than this? Thus says uh, the Lord God, because your heart is proud and you have said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of the gods in the heart of the seas. But you're not a God. God says to him, you're not a God. You're a man and no God, although you make your heart like the heart of a God. It's always interesting to me, the Antichrist cults, this is, this is always at their, at, their, at their heart too, this false religion of self-righteousness. The, the, the biggest cult in America is the Mormon uh, uh, cult, can't even call it a church. And what is at the heart of their religion is that you, uh, well, if you're good enough, you one day can be a god and you can inhabit and have your own planet. Should it surprise us that it's so pernicious? Because this is exactly what the scripture uh, describes as the root sin of all sin. It's throughout the scriptures. We see it not only with Adam and Eve, we see it wherever. Uh, even how, how easily we are all accessible to the sin, such as King Uzziah of, of Israel, one of the, the greatest, most prosperous kings in all of Israel. What, what um, brought him low after years? And years of faithful service. The scripture says in 2 Chronicles 26 verse 16, when he was strong, he grew proud. 
to his destruction. Remember, he he saw that he wasn't content with merely the kingdom. He wanted the priesthood too, and he and he went in and offered incense on the altar of God, as only the priests were permitted to do, and he was immediately struck with leprosy. And his reign would soon end after that. Or even good King Hezekiah, after uh, he uh, became prosperous, says he became proud. And he was laid low until his heart was changed and he repented. Not only among the righteous, the wicked as well. The Lord Jesus gave us a glimpse of heaven and hell in Luke chapter 18 when he, when he told the story of the rich man and Lazarus, how Lazarus was rich and prosperous and he died and how the poor man was poor and humble. All he could do in his life was to lay at the gate of the rich man and uh, at the end of their life, they go, uh, the, the Lazarus goes to, to um, uh, be with the Lord in the bosom of Abraham and the rich man is in hell and he's in agony. The Lord reminds him of what brought him there. He treated others with contempt. He lorded his righteousness over them. Herod, the grandson of Herod the Great, was reigning during the ministry of Peter and the apostles. The incredible episode recorded in Acts chapter 12. Uh, and, and it's interesting that uh, it's, the, it, we're, it's recorded in Acts 12, 21 that the people of Tyre and Sidon, who, who were described at that time as poor and needy, there was a rebellion there. And, and Herod was was going to uh, bring them uh, to judgment and put them under the sword and they had a peace offering for Herod. And remember what they said? The people of Tyre and Sidon had not moved far from their ancestors. They had remembered uh, this prince and, and Herod dressed up in all of his fancy array and the, he was bright and gleaming and came into their presence and they cried out to him, Behold, the voice of a God, not a man. Immediately he was struck down. As the nation of Tyre went, as it was described in the preceding chapters as a beautiful merchant ship, merchant marine ship, as well as a, a battleship carrying soldiers, as it, as if that beautiful ship was, was sunk and went down to the bottom of the sea, and as it went, so goes the king of Tyre. And, and really, if you take one upon the other, it's like the, the, the uh, dismal scene of the, the captain going down 
with his beautiful battleship. God is opposed to the proud, the scripture says. He gives grace to the humble. Because we have a heart, and then again, notice the source in this text of the pride of the king of Tyre. It's his heart. The prophet said, behold the proud man. Behold the proud man. His heart is not right in him. Scripture is plain about the source of pride. It's the human heart. It's desperately sick. It's deceitful above all else. Who can know the depths of the pride of your heart? It's only the grace of God that shows it to us. It's demonstrated also in the profaneness of the king of Tyre, the prince of Tyre, who exalts himself as a god, who says that his, uh, his uh, status result, results in two things, the, his wisdom and his wealth. His wisdom and his wealth. He claims to be as wise as a god, as wise as, and scholars are debating whether this is an Assyrian god named Daniel, Hebrew is the same as Daniel. Uh, most, most scholars say it's Daniel. It profanes the worship of God by replacing it with the worship of the Creator. It is the most profane thing that can ever happen. Maybe you've heard the pejorative uh, said uh, of you or to someone, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? That's exactly what the king of Tyre says. Well, I am smart and I am rich. And so many in the world would say the same thing. But in this text, he in verses 11 through uh, um, 11 through 17, you know, all the way down to verse 17, you have this picture that is of a man who's nothing more than a likeness of the devil. He, was, he says he was in the garden. This is why some scholars say this is the Antichrist. This is the origin of the Antichrist. He was a cherub in the Garden of Eden, and he fell down. The reason I, I tend to think that this is the person of the King of Tyre, uh, or the Prince of Tyre, verse 16, it was in your abundance of trade. Uh, you were filled with violence in your midst, and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God and destroy you. The riches and the wealth and the power that he claimed came only from the hand of God. 
He is indeed a prototype of Adam, a prototype of the devil himself, a prototype of the archangels that fell with the devil himself. He casts himself as the epitome of, of perfection and power and might, profaning the temple of God. We live in a culture that vaunts and exalts profaneness at every level. Mm. And it puts a badge on this profaneness and even calls it pride. Always think, what does it have to be proud of? Some, some of us who grew up in the, in the um, shadow of, of at least lip service to a, a gospel-saturated uh, culture, uh, we, we, we stay, I do, I, I somewhat stay in a, a per, per, uh, perpetual state of shock when I look out at the world. And when I look at things, look at the, where things have come in my lifetime. A complete abandonment of the truth of God. And the Apostle Paul describes it in Romans chapter 1. He, he, he describes this descent. And I know I've referred to this many times of late, but I keep referring to, keep coming back to it because it tells us what, what the situation truly is. We'll read the whole thing. We'll just go through it. Verse 22, chapter 1 of Romans. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurities, and the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And it goes on to, to describe the dishonorable passions and the exchanging of natural relations for what is unnatural. Again, all of them having the same root, pride, nothing could be more blasphemous or wicked than for people to decide their own uh, gender rather than accepting that what God has made them in the image of God. It is the heart of debauchery to even discuss it, and yet our children are having this forced upon them. The Bible's clear. God is opposed to the proud. 
there are six things the Lord hates, according to Proverbs. Among them are um, a proud heart and a haughty spirit. God's message to the king of Tyre is you have, you have profaned. You, you, you have profaned my worship and you will be judged. And then lastly, we see his punishment. The punishment of the king of, of Tyre. It, it's not popular to talk about punishment. We, we want to soften that. We don't, we don't want it to, you know, we don't want to hurt people's feelings. And, and, the, and the truth of the gospel is we must talk about punishment. We must talk about justice, God's justice. We must uh, speak about a holy God who must punish sins. And because if we don't, we don't understand the gospel. We don't understand the death of Jesus. Because Jesus was punished for our sins. Not only physically, the most brutal punishment a criminal could ever receive, the scourging and the death on executioner's instrument, the cross. He was punished in hell. We confess it. When we do the Apostles' Creed, he descended into hell on the cross. He went to hell. He endured the punishment that we deserve. If we don't understand that, we don't understand the gospel of grace. The punishment is for rejecting God's sovereignty. The punishment is for rejecting his promises to his people. The profane, his punishment is for the profaneness that results from their rejection of a holy God. Again, the picture in chapter 20, the preceding chapter 27 was of a mighty ship that was sunk. And here it's the picture of a mighty ship sunk with its captain, the Prince of Tyre, at the helm. And there's hardly anything in our world that's more sad and more, more uh, heartrending than a, sh a mighty ship that goes down with all of its hands and its captain on the deck. But that's the picture here. How could one who had been, had, had been so glorious and had reached such uh, acclaim, mainly through its friendship with God's people Israel when the temple was first built, be brought so low? It's because the people and the prince sought to exalt themselves over God. <clears throat> this is this is the theme that will wind to the end of history. We should not be dismayed at the evil in the world. We, we have been insulated by having the fruits of godliness in our 
our land for many years. We, but, and so we should not be, we should not be overwhelmed, and, and we should not be surprised at wickedness and evil uh, in the world. Paul in Second Thessalonians uh, tells us much the same. Second Thessalonians two. Verse 3, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who, does this sound familiar, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. This is why when our confession was written in 1643 included, included a notation about the Antichrist that the Pope was the Antichrist. Now we are, we've gotten nicer over the years so we took that out. But the point of it then is the same point now is that anyone who takes the seat of Christ and exalts himself and says uh, he can administer the grace of God and points to a man who can absolve sins is taking the seat of God. And wherever Christ is not exalted as King and Lord, there is nothing remaining but the horrible judgment that is described here. Everyone who denies the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, every cult, however may respectable it may seem, that denies this truth is an Antichrist. The whole message of John 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, the book of Revelation, is about Antichrist. You need to read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, along with the book of Revelation, to understand Antichrist. And, and the message is very simple and very plain. Whoever denies the Father, whoever denies the Holy Spirit, whoever denies the Son of God, as Lord and Savior, is an Antichrist. <coughs> Whoever preaches righteousness, works righteousness, apart from his work, is an Antichrist. The king of Tyre was an Antichrist, obviously. And I believe this imagery from Ezekiel is transported into 2 Thessalonians. It's transported into 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. It's transported into the book of Revelation. To the personification of evil who is the Antichrist. And the message is the same. Those who worship the Lamb of God those who claim no righteousness of their own, but claim only the righteousness of Christ by faith and are seeking by his grace and mercy to live a life of righteousness 
Not in their own strength and not in their own power, but by the grace of God alone, will be victorious with the Lord Jesus. Scripture is very plain. Our Lord Jesus has already won the victory. He is uh, seated at the right hand of God, and at the same time he's seated at the right hand of God. He is trampling his enemies under his feet. And he will return bodily to receive his people for himself. And Satan and his minions will all be cast into a bottomless pit of judgment and punishment forever. Along with the king of Tyre. Those of us who have our faith and trust in Christ are invincible in this world. We, is not, we, we are not called to live in fear. We're not called to be cowering. We're called to be bold and to speak the truth in love to whomever we're called to at any given moment. Yes, that is painful and difficult. 1 John 2.18, there are many antichrists already in the world. That's so true. Where Christ is not exalted and self is exalted over Christ, there is nothing but horrible judgment. I had a, um, a very brief career, or well, it was about six-year career, seven-year career as an army chaplain in the Guard Reserve, and never forget my first commander, chaplain, you have a, you're a battalion, the, the lowest level you're a chaplain is a battalion level, and a battalion commander. This has been so many years ago, I can tell, I can tell this story. He was not a good man. He was godless. He, he, uh, he treated people with utter disregard and disdain and used people horribly. And constantly invited him to my services, and he says, oh, I'll, I'll come. He never, never showed up. When one, uh, it used to be called Fort Hood, they changed the name. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know the new name for Fort Hood, Texas. North Fort Hood, Texas, rather. Which is a horrible place. Probably, probably great now, but it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> This is where the guard units and the reserve units went to do their training. And he was so proud of the fact that he was the commander in charge of all of them. He said, I am the God of North Hood, Texas. I never will forget him saying that in a staff meeting. And he said, shivers up my spine. Mm -hmm. Six months later, he attended one of my services. And he was laid right there. and kind God. He gives wicked sinners time to repent. 
He gives them messengers of mercy and grace. And all day long he holds out his hands and says to the wicked and rebellious, why will you die? It's full of grace. It's full of mercy. Do not stay. If you are in rebellion against God, do not stay there. Repent. Put your faith and confidence in Christ alone. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this uh, incredible passage of Scripture. It tells us what happens to everyone who raises himself up against you and declares that they are God. You hate it, and you oppose it. And you will bring everyone who, who exhausts themselves in this way, you will bring them low. Not only to the grave, but the, to eternal judgment forever, apart from your presence. May that not be true of anyone here today. May we cling to and hold fast to the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.